This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. It's Coach Hog here in the Coach Hog locker room. Uh, on the morning after, but it's really Valentine's Day, so I want to give everybody a big hug. Uh, you know, everybody, uh, you know, male, female, and all those in fluidity transition. Why not? You know, love humanity, huh? So it's Valentine's Day. Do something special for the heart of your heart and uh, have a good time. We saw a tremendous show here, uh, Don Juan, which I'll get to in a minute in Loveland. Man, was it good. Fantastic dancing. But anyway, it's the morning after. Everybody's kind of got a buzz, I suppose an after-game buzz of the Super Bowl, if you will. As I said, I gave you my history on the Super Bowl last time we met. Uh, but I've got, I've got to um, just ask a couple of questions of you to start the show off. Um, we, why was The Rock out there in his purple outfit screaming? Uh, you know, he obviously went to the peck house and pumped up his biceps and put a fresh tattoo or drawing, as my mother called him, on the on his arm. I, I just don't get it. You know, he was trying to imitate the guy, obviously, who hypes the, the. I guess it's a wrestling or, you know, who knows. But it was really tacky. Uh, I, I'm, who am I? I mean, uh, people are spending fortunes on these uh, these games, betting and, and the ads and all that stuff. But anyway, I just wondered, is anybody out there in uh, the Ward Scott Files land know why The Rock was there. I guess it was a tribute to all of Hollyweird. Um, we actually are in California, so I suppose being in California, you got to roll out the guys who uh, you mix and mingle with there and give them a shot. So um, the other thing, is, of course, everybody always wants to take a look at are the ads. I, I, I wondered if the ads this year were influenced by a couple of things. One, of course, they were influenced by COVID. And no question, everything has been. And obviously, I think they probably have been influenced by the woke uh, people because, um, you know, you can't step on anybody with the exception of the halftime show, which, uh, you know, they kept acting like they were going to grab the crotch, but they really didn't grab the crotch. And, you know, I've been asked, why do they have to grab? I don't know why they have to grab the crotch. I mean, you know, it's, it's not I, I don't know. You know, I mean, it, it's I can tell you where it went wrong is when. Ed Sullivan put Elvis Presley on the toast of the town. And, and you know, and the only way he'd put him on there was if the camera never showed him from the waist down when he did his gyrations to you. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. And uh, I could sing all those songs and gyrate like him. And, of course, that kept me in detention hall because I wasn't supposed to be pounding on the desk singing Don't Be Cruel. And everybody was. And our dean tried to tell us that don't be singing those songs six um, months from now, buddy, nobody know who this dude is. And we laughed like crazy at the dean. Uh, you know, it's just, it was just nuts. I mean, that's where it went downhill. It's when Elvis dragged the, 
the, the chitlin serve over to the white folks. And then he put him on Ed Sullivan and away we went. So now this is where we are uh, with the, 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 the uh, Snoop Doggy Dog must have think he died and went to heaven, you know. So um, here we are. We got to, but, it, you know, we've been influenced by two or three things. And, um, and you know, there's a lot of people doing analysis of Megan Graham doing this analysis today. Um, it looked like some uh, some gambling and, and also some, well, different forms of currency and also some uh, urge to do a electric vehicle uh, with a wall box and, and um, Q Health and Q Health provides COVID-19 tests. Um, there it was. NBC said it sold several ad slots at seven million for 30 seconds of airtime. Um, you know, they had to be careful. Uh, there was only one person who kneeled, I'm told. I didn't watch the halftime. Um, there was only one person who kneeled. It was, I guess it was the Eminem character, uh, whoever that is. But anyway, um, uh, that, that person, and I don't know whether somebody said he was praying rather than really disrespecting the United States, but I, how, what do I know? But uh, the, the, the NFL has managed to tippy-toe walk that back because they need the money. They got to make the money. That thing they're in was cost them billions of dollars to build. And it is, it looks like a UFO landed on the doggone earth and became a football coliseum. So uh, you got Coinbase technologies there. You got health and wellness. Uh, you got medical technology things and holy gick, uh, whatever it is. Uh, you got travel ads because people are trying to maybe get back in the spirit of, of traveling around. Uh, although that's not completely returned the way it was. Um, but, you know, the one thing I was glad, but they sentimentalized it and made it goofy and unrealistic. And that was the, that was the, Bud, but, the Budweiser ad with the Clydesdales. Um, you know, that's the one that used to be synonymous with uh, um, the sporting event and the Clydesdales. I don't know if you've ever seen a Clydesdale, but they're a tremendous specimen, uh, big old things. And uh, uh, they pull plows and I've seen them at fairs in pulling contests. And, um, you know, so it's, uh, you know, this one was about a horse being injured and then being able to run again. And that was supposedly a theme for unifying the nation and America and all that. So there you are with your Super Bowl ads. There you are with The Rock. I have no idea what The Rock is doing there. In my humble opinion, and you know, I'm always right on this stuff. The defensive line was the difference in the game. Uh, that defensive line for uh, the Rams kept the pressure on the Burrow kid because if they didn't, he was going to tear them up. And uh, they spent a lot of money on that, 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 that team. And they gambled and they took a different approach. I want to just go over that with you, how they did that, because I've did a little research on this. And this is uh, by Andrew Beaton out in California has analyzed it. And I agree. Here's what they did. Um, the Rams went out and got a couple of defensive linemen that really put the pressure on Burrow. One was Aaron Donald. Um, he's a three-time defensive player of the year. Uh, and um, the other one was Vaughn Miller, who was and picked him up in midseason. And he's always been one of the NFL's best pass rushers. So, you know, they, they prepared for that. And um, eventuality, uh, you know, they know that in this modern game we've got, where these quarterbacks are so talented and can either run or zip that ball and do all that. Um, as a group, they're more talented uh, than anything you might have seen, even back to the Y. Tittle, Otto Graham days 
uh, Johnny Unitas. It's always been the premier position. But, um, you know, here, here we have a case where, where uh, uh, we've got to nullify that. So we're going out now as, as owners of teams and things, and we're, uh, we're uh, uh, picking up really great defensive linemen. Uh, this guy, Burrow, was sacked, according to the stats I'm looking at now, seven times in the game. Uh, and in the second half, he never could get comfortable, even though he almost pulled it off. And uh, But the way that the, put, the team was put together uh, was in terms of NFL strategies and logic, um, a gamble. And here's why it was a gamble. They took, um, they took the guy from uh, the, the quarterback who was at Detroit, who was at one in his day was a first-round draft pick, but just never really uh, showed his stuff over there at Detroit because he wasn't surrounded by a strong bunch. So they went out and really worked to get some people around him. That would be, uh, they went and got a guy named Beckham, who was um, a kind of a temperamental guy, but it was a great receiver. Uh, you know, they traded two draft picks for this Vaughn Miller. They traded two first rounders for a defensive back, Halen Ramsey, and they used their first round pick in 2016. So they don't have another first round pick until 2024. So they, um, according to the guys who analyzed this type of uh, strategy, uh, they made a big gamble, and Stafford and all these fellows together happened to come through. Now, it was a narrow clip. If they could have completed one more pass, our UF graduate would have no doubt have kicked a field goal that would have sent him into overtime, and who knows what would have happened there. So um, they did put that team together on a, by a, a little to rush it, and it coincided, I guess, with the completion of the landed UFO uh, site where um, people are, um, you know, experiencing this latest uh, uh, Super Bowl deal. Now, I want to report on the Olympics. And I, I got to tell you, I know I know that we have um, um, the, this uh, the, a couple of people here. And I know about um, Brittany Bow. I know about Aaron Jackson. I know about this Joey Mantia. Um, but I want to talk about the coach, uh, Renee Hildebrand. I, I, I am become interested in Brene Hildebrand. I've always been interested in great teachers. And um, uh, that's what coaching is. It is a teacher. And you have to get uh, people to buy into your teaching. This is a class. I'm your teacher. Uh, if you buy into it, then you come because you learn. You, 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 you get some information. You learn how to think a little more sharply or you're up to date a little more sharply than you would be elsewhere. But I'm, I'm the teacher. They, they label me, you know, as much. They label me a, a right winger and this and that one. Basically, I'm just a teacher. So what we have here I'm interested in is um, Renee uh, Hildebrand. Um, Ocala uh, has a roller skating rink. But, you know, everybody asks, how in the world do you get ice in uh, Ocala? Now, AP covered this and said that um, the, the thing that motivated these three skaters is they always wanted to impress their coach. I think that's always what you want as a teacher. You want to get the people that you're teaching to want to learn from you and, and then in turn impress you. Now, I don't grade you all, okay? But in the actual classroom, I grade you. And I always told the student, I don't grade you. I give you the grade you told me you earned by your behavior. And so I set out the behaviors in the beginning of the course that are equivalent to the grade. 
And then they, they have to do the work to get what they want. I don't give them a grade. I don't, uh, I, you know, I watch their behavior and award it with a proper, hopefully appropriate uh, alphabetic signal, which in some cases then translates into a numerical formula. So um, uh, something that caught my eye about this Hildebrand is that she cultivated in these three students of hers uh, a hunger and a fighting instinct and a strong work ethic. Uh, so that uh, it, it drove me to be more interested in her. Uh, I, she did watch the Olympics from her home. She wasn't there. So I started looking into her a little bit more. I've never met the lady, but I may make an attempt to meet her. Jeff Eisenberg of Yahoo Sports says that uh, for three decades, she's been training Ocala kids to become inline speed world skating champions, inline uh, roller speed uh, skating champions, and that most of her accomplished students on wheels uh, have since transitioned to the ice because there's no inline racing evidently in the Olympics on ice. So uh, these students of hers have gone from inline racing on wheels uh, to this uh, ice world. And they're drawn by the master, you know, challenge of mastering and transferring the skills from one to the other. And she has obviously been very successful in doing that. Uh, she said that one of the challenges, she told Eisenberg in a Yahoo interview, that one of the challenges was muscle memory. Uh, these students of hers uh, have been training inline roller skating. And um, that's where the wheels are in line. They're not side by side. And they're racing around an oval form and much as you would as a track uh, uh, in uh, track and field, uh, but have muscle memory. And um, they have already developed new muscle memory. You know, I've got to thinking about that. Uh, I ran a quarter mile uh, uh, in the Florida Relays uh, back when my younger day. And I, you know, right now I'm experiencing the fact that as I'm older, the left leg is a little different from the right leg. And I got to thinking about muscle memory, having looked at what Coach Childebrand says about muscle memory. We run uh, around that track the same way. We run, as you see, counterclockwise. And the left leg is inside uh, the turn lane. And the right leg is outside the turn lane. And I have run so many times around the oval form. I watched told Jim Dickey, who wrote Deliverance, who I was the escort for him when he was a writer in residence here. And he and I would ride around town and talk. He had just written the movie and acted in it. And uh, of course, he's a great poet. He was a poet laureate of the country. And uh, said, we rode by the Florida track one time. And I said, you know, rather to try, you know, creating a line of poetry for Dickey, I said, uh, Jim, there's where I pit my body against that uh, brutal oval form. And uh, he was very, he took up to that, you know, because we're running against time. And But the leg on the left is always, maybe develops muscle memory differently from the leg on the right. I just thought about that in talking and thinking and researching Coach Hildebrand and the concept of muscle memory, which is a real deal. But right now, Ocala is a hotbed because of her. Anytime you see a hotbed for writing, anytime you see a hotbed for football, anytime you see a hotbed for basketball, 
you've got a great teacher, Jim, uh, uh, Wooten out in UCLA. Uh, once upon a time was the was the man, the best basketball teacher in the country. Uh, you look at the writers. John Crow Ransom was absolutely the best literature teacher in the nation. And you go look at his students. That's how you evaluate a teacher. You evaluate a teacher by what his students or her students do. And that's better. You know, all these computer forms and all this, that, what do your students do? They couldn't have done if they had not studied with you. And this woman, Renee Hildebrand, comes across as a super teacher. Uh, she began as a rink rat in Charleston, South Carolina, where she would roller skate in the roller rink all the time when she was 16 years old. And that's where her passion came. And then, of course, uh, you won't know this, perhaps. I didn't know this. She majored in athletic training at Central Florida and went to physical therapy school at the University of Florida, which is not easy to get into. Uh, she went to physical therapy school here at the UF because she thought it would make her a better coach. And then she went to Brooksville, Florida, where she held down a nine to five job as a physical therapist. This is really interesting about this woman. And so then she began to want to be even better as a coach. And she uh, sought all the information she could get on drills and innovative techniques. And she studied a book written by, you might remember this man, Eric Hyden, who was a legendary speed skater and became a longtime coach. And she reached out to him and studied him and learned as much as she could from him. She taught, this is what she taught. She taught athletes to build a foundation of power, strength, and endurance. And this is the secret to racing, how to peak at the right time, because you can't run your top speed all the time. When I was training with the track club, I would talk to the sprinters about this. I'd ask them, when do you run all out? And they said, never do we run all out in practice. I said, why is that? They said, because we only have so many all out moments in our body when we really let it go. And so we don't ever run all out until we finally put it all on the line. She taught them, she obviously has a knack for this, how to peak her athletes. And these students began to soak up her wisdom and her teaching because you can't teach as a coach or a teacher if you're not learning yourself. Now she spotted this Abo girl as an eight-year-old skating circles at a classmate's birthday party. And uh, that's, uh, 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 the, the mother of Bo didn't want her daughter doing speed skating. And, uh, but uh, Coach Hildebrand said, you've got to purchase some, some skates because she's so fast. And then he saw, she saw the, the male, Mantia, uh, he was watching her daughter's gymnastics class and uh, she was marveling at how he could climb the rope. Uh, climbing a rope is not an easy thing. And she was absolutely fascinated with this guy's drive. And she talked to him into being a speed skater. Um, and Bo was a complicated student because she had so much talent she could also play soccer and basketball. And finally, because of the expertise, the passion and the leadership 
and the wisdom of Coach Hildebrand gave up basketball and soccer to focus on skating. Um, now, with the case of Jackson, the mother was having the young one learn artistic skating and envisioned her as a figure skater. And uh, along came Hildebrand and said, you better think about speed skating because this girl can fly. She is really fast. But Hildebrand said the biggest challenge with Jackson was Jackson's obsession with schoolwork, which was always more of a priority for her than was skating. Now, this young lady, as I understand, has a degree at University of Florida in industrial engineering, mechanical engineering, something of that nature, and is very, very bright. And so that young lady was a challenge for Hildebrand uh, because she obviously had to, the young lady also obviously had to spend some time training. Um, so uh, this is something that is, 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 is exists in Ocala because of the tremendous uh, coaching and teaching done by a lady whom I've not met, Renee Hildebrand, but whom I'm very interested in meeting. Um, she has something she instilled in her students that only perfect practice makes perfect racing. And every workout has to be treated at the highest standard, like a trophy is at stake. Um, the students, uh, Bo and, and uh, Jackson and Mancha, I think I'm saying his name right, say that what she gave us as a coach is really our true reason for being excellent. You know, you hear all these cliches from coaches. I've heard them all my life. How you do on this field is how you'll do in life. I'm listening to this Napier guy. He better live up to it because he's saying, well, we're trying to teach life skills too. Oh, really? Well, in that monotone voice, let's hope you can get it done because what are the life skills you're trying to teach? And here we know what this was. Perfect practice makes perfect racing. And the gift that this lady has is the gift that all teachers have, all great uh, coaches have, is motivation. They motivate you to go out there and do something that uh, you couldn't do without them. Uh, and, uh, locally, that is the case with uh, my good friend, um, uh, Kim Tuttle, who uh, produced yet another fantastic show, uh, Don Juan in Loveland, uh, along with help from her sister, Judy Skinner. Um, a fantastic coach, uh, Kim Tuttle. Um, I've had her on the show several times. She has this ability, as Renee Hildebrand has evidently, to take a look at a student and say, this is what you're capable of doing, and I'm going to help you learn how to maximize what you're capable of doing. That's the true gift of a coach. That's the true gift of a teacher is I'm going to help you become the strongest person you can come, become. And I used to tell my students, I've got to do this because someday you're going to come back and take care of me. Right now, I'm trying to help take care of you. But one day you're going to come back and take care of me. And uh, some of them bought into that and they did really, really well. Tonight, the uh, lady basketball team here is going to play Auburn. And that girl, Kelly Ann Finley, is a great coach, as evidenced by the, let me sit up here a little bit straighter, um, by what she's doing with her teammates, uh, her players. So, um, Oh, that is that is really a, a special a special event going on here with with our sports world, and it has to do uh, with uh, the lady basketball team, which will be televised tonight on regular television, as I understand it. Now I'm going to 
uh, uh, launch off into something. I'm going to need a drum roll, my production guys. Uh, give me a thumbs up for a drum roll, please, and let me know when the drum roll is over. And, um, uh, and then if you would, after I began talking, we'll put up what I'm talking about, and that's the letter, okay, production? Uh, okay, but not in the beginning. Let me, let me hold that back until they, they see that. Okay, I'm going to give you an update on the task force of, um, that we talked about last week, and let me review the task force with you. So that you know what you're talking, what we're talking about. Um, the state attorney, along with the Gainesville Police Department, had a, has organized a task force, uh, supposedly to attack uh, 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 the drug world. Uh, the, uh, the the drug task force. Now, what in order to make this possible, the state attorney has uh, bonded the GPD officers and uh, GPD personnel now bonded under the state attorney, and uh, they'll get their credentials. They got them last Friday, and they now have jurisdiction in all eight counties, and they have jurisdiction in, in these cities, which have their own police force as well here in Alachua County. Um, the, uh, uh, the, 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 the initial evidence that I got was that this occurred because a, a memorandum of understanding was four hours and late and being delivered to the height of board. So um, uh, consequently, the uh, information I was getting was that therefore, since uh, that was the reason ASO uh, and the sheriff was excluded from uh, this uh, task force, uh, which is uh, bonded under the state attorney. Well, I'm gonna tell you that there's another side to this story. And uh, I wanna uh, tell you just a moment that I have a letter here which my research team has provided me with, and I will read it to you, and then we'll put it on the screen, and you can take a look at it yourself, and then we'll put it out on uh, Ward's hot bulletin board. I think we can do that, can we not? Production, yeah, they signal okay. Uh, this letter is uh, from uh, Sheriff Clovis Watson, Jr. I think this is the first time you're going to hear about it. I think it's the first time it's been presented to the public. It's been provided to me by uh, people on the on the research team, and you all are members of the research team. So uh, thank you all for working hard for the Ward Scott Files. Uh, this is addressed uh, to the Honorable Brian Kramer. It was written February 11th, uh, which is Friday. It was transferred by electronic mail and U.S. mail to Kramer, and the subject is officer safety. Now, let me harken back for a moment for you in this community. You may remember the situation of Shannon Stevenson. I believe that was the young man's name. He was a GPD police officer who was in the dark, accidentally, of course, unintentionally and, and tragically killed by Officer Tim Good, who was also a GPD officer who's now deceased. Uh, what happened uh, is uh, during a holdup, a robbery, as I recall it, it, quote unquote, according to dispatch, blew up and became violent. There became a shootout and more people were called to, to uh, take control of this situation, including Tim Good and Shannon Stevenson evidently was already there or arriving as well. Now, one of the problems I've learned from talking to the guys who can remember this situation was poor communication created this confusion. People on the police force did not know who friend was and did not know who foe was. They were all in the dark, literally in the dark, 
and verbally in the dark. And yet they're at the same scene. Now, Tim Good had been shot already, as I understand it, and had gone back to his car and gotten his shotgun. And when around came the corner of the building, a figure darkly clothed, dark in the dark, and with a gun and uh, in a hot, blown up situation. And Tim Good shot that figure, and it turned out to be Shannon Stevenson. And Shannon Stevenson was killed. Okay. I'm going to read this letter to you. I never realized, of course, this was going to be applicable to the creation of this task force by Kramer. And I doubt Kramer realized it. Kramer was one of my students. Kramer comes from a very nice family. I know them well. And yet he is sitting there in the middle of this world of criminality that he must sort out. And one is what people are watching him very carefully to see if he's up to the task. He ran unopposed, okay? So this letter is from Clovis Watson Jr. Now Clovis Watson Jr. has been a cop, has been uh, uh, the uh, uh, control of the police as the, uh, in, in, in the city of Alachua when he was the uh, city manager there. He has a very, very stellar administrative record he never, ever uh, received anything but a 5-0 vote on uh, his salary as a city manager of Alachua. And every year, the commissioners gave him an increase. So he has a tremendous amount of administrative experience. He's also been a legislator. So uh, the administration experience of the gentleman is pretty vast and diverse. So now... He's the administrator of, if you will, the constitutionally elected police officer who is constitutionally elected uh, and uh, by the people, uh, just like Kramer. Kramer is elected. He's a constitutional officer. The sheriff is elected. He's a constitutional officer. By that, I mean the sheriff answers to the county commission and the people, and the county commission give the sheriff a budget to operate. The city of Gainesville... GPD is fraught with political interference, fraught with political interference and manipulation, just as is Gainesville Regional Utilities. OK, we know that. And we have a 14 percent increase in crime by the city of Gainesville GPD Police Department, which has not been able to deal with its own crime within its own city limits. So. The letter reads, dear Mr. Kramer. I gather from the media coverage that you have convened a special task force in Alachua County under FS 27.251 for the 8th Judicial Circuit. In order to support our missions and keep our deputies out of potential, here we go is the phrase, out of potential mistaken conflict with your unmarked and plain clothes investigators, I would like to establish the following protocol. Man, I, when I read this, I said, of course Kramer's done this. If you're gonna cut the sheriff out of the task force and you're gonna create a secretive task force, how is the sheriff going to know when he arrives at a blown up crime scene and people start shooting or carrying guns Who's who since you've cut the sheriff out of the task force? Well, 
This is a problem that's being addressed in this letter. For state attorney special task force operations in Alachua County, outside the city of Gainesville, please file your operations plan no later than 72 hours in advance with ACSO Criminal Investigations Division, reachable at 352-367-4170. Yes, that makes perfect sense to me. If I'm an ASO deputy and there's some sort of task force that I'm excluded from, that I'm answering a call to, and I've got the potential to actually shoot at another police officer because I don't know who he is or what he's doing there, then I need protection. And all the sheriff has said is if you're going to do this, Mr. Kramer, then you tell me 72 hours ahead of time what you're going to do, where you're going to do, and when you're going to do it so that I can tell my deputies what? Arrive with care because you're not in the task force. So the concluding paragraph to this is, as always, should you require anything of our agency, just let me know. Please keep the lines of communication open so that should you need to venture into jurisdiction of non-party agencies, we can de-conflict for the mutual safety of our employees. Of course. Of course. And that letter should be written by all the sheriffs in all the counties because they're excluded as well from the task force. This is GPD under Kramer assuming the powers of the constitutional officers of not only this county, but the other counties of the Eighth Judicial Circuit. What is going on? Pray tell, what is going on? I'm looking at chat here to see if anybody can give me an answer or means to think about it. But this is a perfectly sensible letter. And the sheriff obviously learned about it, the task force, through the media. Let's put the letter up on the screen, please, production. Just for a moment before we take a break and let you take a look at it. There's the letter. We will post this letter on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. I don't know if the Honorable Brian Kramer has replied to it yet or not. I want to thank the members of the community research team who respect and trust Ward Scott Files to document and provide documents for what we share with you. I'll also let you know that YouTube removed our show Friday. Friday show when we talked, I think it was Friday show. It was a show when we talked about, we had uh, uh, our investigator on talking about the election problems at the, at the jail, which were not done during this sheriff, but the previous sheriff. And they took that show down. We appealed it. They turned down the appeal. This is the type of world that we live in. We, I do. I live in a, in a world of censorship. I live in a world of 
wokeness, I guess you'd call it, where you can't tell the story except the way the story's supposed to be told. But yet people on the research team, many of whom I really don't know, provide documents to this show to fight that. I just want to make that announcement for you. And there's the letter. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back in just a moment on the Ward Scott Files and play a few ditties for you while I heat my coffee. Thank you very much. And we'll have that letter on Ward's hot bulletin board for you to look at. This is Ward Scott. And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, RR Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. If your brains were lard, you couldn't grease a small frying pan. <laughs> to call you stupid would be an insult to stupid people. Octone, octone. The papers are not in order. Step out of the line and report to the inspection station. You're going to search your belongings. Much now. At Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Ken Cornell Known as the thin-skinned water boy, Ken Cornell. Known as Minnie Mike, Ken Cornell. Wears elevator shoes, Ken Cornell. He just wants to be like. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Just eating my coffee, and um, production took a look and read the letter during the break. And you know, production's not particularly involved in our adult issues here locally. They're good guys, but uh, you know, they have their world, <laughs> and we have ours. And I asked them, you know, when we came out of the break, just before we went on a hot mic here, what they thought, and they said, well, you know, that's strange. Why would, you know, why would Kramer do that? You know, that's a good question. If anybody has an answer out there for me. Uh, I'm looking at some of the comments. Um, let's see. I've got a couple of guys here who really kind of know what they're talking about. Yeah, a GPD is chronically understaffed. You know, where can they find the mind, manpower to investigate out of their primary jurisdiction? This is Jim Murphy's comments. And what costs will be incurred? Um, what is the real issue between the state attorney and the sheriffs? I, I, 
you know, who talked Kramer into this? I, I, what I'm, who in the world talked this kid in? And he's a kid to me. I taught him, you know, at, at uh, when he was at Santa Fe. He was my student, and and Clovis Watson was my student. So I mean, who talked Kramer into this? Now what this does, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mention this because a couple of people on here. This makes Derry Lloyd. Are you ready for this? Derry Lloyd, the chief in narcotics. Are you listening to me? The chief narcotics investigator. He is not elected. He belongs to the four A's. He was in an ad with Dion McGraw. Brian Kramer was in an ad on a host committee with Ken Cornell. Ken Cornell is the vice president of Boss Art Realty. Brian Kramer's office filed charges against Colliers in a civil dispute with Boss Hart Realty. I mean, these are the facts. Now, it's become a criminal dispute, but the previous district attorney regarded it, we're told, we stand corrected if it's different, or if he gets amnesia, we're told he regarded it as a civil dispute over commissions. So there's a pattern here that as my good young friends who are just my production team, take a look at it and say, golly, this is strange. Yeah, this is strange. I'm, 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 I wait to answer. And as Amandi Grunt, I agree with Amandi on this. GPD was not and is not effectively handling violent crime or shootings that they already have got responsibility for. So what do they want to go out and address crime in the county for? When you have a county elected by the public sheriff. And the question Don Doles asks is what other state attorneys are doing something similar? I don't know of any. If you know of some, let me know. If you want to text privately, 352-325-3938 is the Melton Law hotline here in the Melton Law studio. The Warthog Man Cave Manly Command Center is sponsored by Jeffrey Melton in Melton Law studio. Thank God for him. He's such a, a great assist. And thank God for those of you who contribute to the show. Because we're trying to get information to you that I don't think you got this letter anywhere else. So Amando and, and Jim Murphy and you all, I don't know the answer to those questions. They are very interesting questions. Uh, the inter as Mondra says, the interim city manager of Gainesville, an interim police chief. What is going on here? Don't count this city manager, this interim city. Evidently, Armando is taking us down a string here. It makes sense. Or at least a line of questioning that we would need answers for. Now you have got an interim city manager who's in charge of an interim GPD chief with a removed former chief who now 
mysteriously is some sort of officer. I can't, I don't know what that job is that he's got. And you got Derry Lloyd. And I, I'm just going to tell you, member of the four A's, Rodney Long, adds with Dion McGraw. As your narcotics investigator over the whole task force. I got to have a sip on that. I got to have a sip on that. Somebody out there in, in real world. Let me know what you think. I'm just responding to what you, this vast and diverse and inclusive. By the way, let me use those words. Our Ward Scott Files research team is truly diverse and inclusive. And a lot of them you don't know. But if you knew them, you'd be amazed. So I don't know. I mean... I'm trusted enough by these people who have access to things to forward them to me and let me get them out to you. I don't know, but I have to agree. It's more than passing strange. I'm watching your comments. Armando says he has some answers. Um, and uh, there's something maybe to this, the chief uh, the, uh, think the sheriff is trying to undermine him. Well, let, 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 me, let, me, let me just ask you, if you were a constitutionally elected officer and you took out a very popular, long-serving sheriff and defeated that sheriff, not by just a few points, but by a heck of a lot of votes, you are now the sheriff and you're constitutionally elected and you answer to the Alachua County Board of Commissioners. And you're not in the mix and these other guys, an interim chief and an interim, you know, manager and a dismal, horrible financial Gainesville Commission, in they're in so much financial trouble that the auditors can't help them because the city has not kept proper records. And you're going to turn around and make those people your drug task force and exclude the other constitutionally elected officers? Armando, I can't take calls, but if you want to put something here or you want to text me on 352-325-3938 and you don't want anybody else to see your comments, I will see them flash across my screen immediately. Who's the operational commander of the task force? As I understand it, Jim Murphy will be Derry Lloyd, okay? Because these people are all sworn under Kramer and Kramer, chief investigator, is Derry Lloyd. All narcotics information will come to the attention 
of dairy loin. Obviously, it can present problems if the sheriff doesn't know you're going out on a bust and the sheriff's people for some other reason. And by the way, what, as I mentioned, Haida, when you call, when you're at the gas station and somebody tries to take your car from you and pushes you down and you call for the Alonzo County Sheriff's Office, do you care about Haida? The number one object of the sheriff's office is to protect the people who elected the sheriff who in turn supervises the deputies. I would think, I would think any other effort at stopping, which I think is absolutely going to be a dismal failure. When I learned that the loss the height of people present about a hundred thousand bucks to the departments here. If I were a hundred thousand dollars to a dope dealer is nothing. No wonder you can't stop them. And on top of that, you've got an open porous border across which drugs are flowing like hurricane water. This is, I guess, I'm gonna, I, I guess this is a, I guess this is a feel-good situation. I guess it's a feel-good situation. I'm presenting it to you. It's back in the public's court, okay? It's back in the hands of the people here chatting, the Amandos and the uh, Tim Martins, these other people, all you guys who have your peer groups and your people, uh, you, you know, it's up. I'm just I'm just the host. I'm just a teacher. I'm presenting you with information. I'm asking some questions for which I don't have answers, but I'm not stupid. I can see that something doesn't add up. Uh, looking here at the comments. Uh, uh, the commander of such a task force, a full time job. Interesting that the chief investigator will be supervising day to day task force operations. That's the way I understand it now until I stand corrected. But I do know that Derry Lloyd is at the top of the food chain of this thing. Um, and you guys can follow up and feed me information when the show completes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, too. I'm just in the process of doing research on this. And I got to tell you that we researched the uh, supervisor elections. You saw what we turned up. Uh, this research I did not go looking for. It came looking for me. I didn't know anything about it until people began to say, are you aware of this? And so as I, once again, I, I want to uh, uh, give a big shout out to those who have been uh, uh, asking me questions for which I really only now have more questions myself. Uh, I do know all of these people personally. I know Kramer. I know Watson. I know Lloyd. I, I know them. And of course, like everybody else, I have my opinions, but I'm not going to get on them right now. Although I think some of you already are seeing what we're talking about. Um, I do know that there are a couple of things that Kramer appeared as a host on a Cornell, on a Cornell fundraiser. Now, if I were a city manager, okay, and Kramer were a chief of police, I would 
Well, let me see how that works. Yeah. No, if, if, if Kramer were a commissioner, a city commissioner, and I were a city manager of those commissions, I would call Kramer in and suggest that he recuse himself from anything that had anything to do with uh, Cornell's name on it because he's already been uh, publicly associated with supporting Cornell. And if I were the defense attorney for Collier, I would call that out. I would call that out, wouldn't you? I would say, just a minute, Mr. 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 District Attorney. Answer, and I know it's a fact because we looked it up. His name appears as a host. He's a Republican, by the way. Cornell's a Democrat. He appears on that host committee. That's enough for me. If I am his city manager and he is a one of my city commissioners, I will call him in and say, Mr. Commissioner, you don't vote on anything that has to do with Ken Carnell. But, you know, we don't have that situation. We have Kramer is an elected by the public. Cornell is elected by the public. And Watson is elected by the public. Nobody else in this conversation is elected by the public. Now, what is more strange that I think about it is Kramer, from the, evidence, from the evidence in the letter from Watson, excludes Watson, but doesn't exclude Cornell. Are you with me? I mean, that's fact. That's fact. Kramer does not recuse himself he includes Cornell. Cornell works for Bossart. But he, Kramer excludes Watson. Most interesting. Most interesting. I think this is something that the public ought to take on. You can't count on the Gainesville Sun. This is all we got right now. Now, we are going to get Andrew Kaplan back. And Andrew Kaplan, uh, we've worked with before. And, and, and that's, there's hope there. But right now, you know, you've got the ball in your court, my friends. You've got the ball in your court. And I'm just asking some questions that have popped up in my mind uh, as we sit here. Why would you include Cornell but exclude Watson? Hey, and, in, and with Cornell, you're actually leveling charges. So there you are. There you are. About down to the end of the show, is I got to find something here before five more minutes I want to talk with you about. I guess I'll talk real quickly about the truckers. I've been curious what really is going on with the truckers. Uh, simply because, it, you know, it's making the, the news and all that business. And evidently, what is really upsetting the truckers uh, is uh, that uh, Trudeau is such a screaming liberal. And of course, 90 percent of these truckers are vaccinated. So it's not about anti. They're not anti-vaxxers. They're not anti-vaxxers. Um, that, that's not the issue. So what is the issue 
Um, that is, and Armando, you're, I think you're on, I think you're on to things here. Um, and, you know, what is the issue? It is uh, um, the fact that Canada is infected with this wokeism and uh, differences of, of opinion are not being uh, peacefully, are not co peacefully coexisting. And the truckers have enormous power. And uh, so they have decided uh, they've had enough of this federal overreach and it's come down through these mandates. Now, once I read this, uh, this was by uh, 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 O'Grady in, uh, in the journal. Once I read this, it's made perfect sense to me. Um, the, uh, um, the government claims it's, uh, it's claiming it's COVID-19 restrictions don't limit freedom, but the truckers are saying that's a phony argument. And uh, the truckers have been not denied a, a real choice. You've heard that argument here between being vaccinated or stripped of their employment, their schooling, their social interactions, their travel. And um, so they've had enough. And it's not really about vaccinations because they're all vaccinated. 90% of them are vaccinated. It is about government overreach by the liberals. And we know that the liberals complain about freedom, but are the least free of all the people. The liberals are censoring me. They're censoring me. That's not the conservatives censoring me. That's the liberals. And if you want to fight back, sponsor me or donate or something, because we're going to fight back. We're not going to take it. Hey, we've already found another way to post stuff that YouTube doesn't post. We've gone around Venmo, and we're trying to get our stuff out as quickly as we can to Spotify and, and Apple Podcasts. And the Ward Scott Files is where you can find everything. And I want to applaud production for getting that up there and getting it going and us being light on our feet. We've got to be. But we have to pay for Venmo. So, you know, just this one more thing they're trying to do, I, in my, my, my view, to, to talk down a narrative that they don't agree with. So um, uh, these Democratic administrations have, um, have been filled with uh, hypocrisy and the truckers evidently have seen it and um, they've had a, enough of it. So I'm going to conclude there and I'm going to say if you want to um, call me, you know, you know, everybody knows my number, 352-339-0337. The, the hotline number is 352-325-3938. It can be done uh, without any, you know, that's a different number and you could actually call that during the show. We haven't worked out calls coming in yet. It's a little more complicated, a little more expensive. And as I say, you know, we're running on uh, uh, a, lean of, a lean of gasoline as we can run on. So happy Valentine's Day. Thank you so much, Plantation Mark, for helping me conclude. Uh, Plantation Mark is a tremendous supporter with his family of the Ward Scott Files. Um, uh, a couple other guys may, maybe don't want me saying much, but uh, uh, they know who they are. And uh, uh, appreciate your your tuning in today. Hopefully, uh, you'll give me some, teach me some things. I'm I'm teaching you so that you can teach me. Uh, have a great day. Thanks to production for all the support of, all the time. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, uh, you know, a little better service when I come down there next time. I mean, man, I see him sitting in the background. <laughs> he just walked by and gave me a smile. He didn't bring me a drink of water or nothing. <laughs> okay, guys. Have, you know, keep the keep it going, man. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Warthog Command Center out.